You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your favorite Seahawks. Setbacks behind Zorn, who's back to pass. Has time, looks for the left sideline, throws a bomb down there. He's got a man in front. He makes the grab. It's Rabel at the 30, down to the 20. They'll never get him. He scores. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. And Zorn laid it in perfectly to Rabel, who goes in to score on an 80-yard pass and run play. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel and Seahawks legend Jim Zorn. We have had a lot of guests on this show uh, with Z-Man and myself, and when they play that recording of Pete Gross calling that play, I get nervous because I'm sitting next to Mike. Uh, Mike Holmgren's <laughs> our guest today because I'm, I'm thinking, now what is he thinking? Is he thinking... Wow, that how did that happen? Was that an accident of some kind that you were able to make that catch and go all the way? Yeah, I was did the corner fall down. <laughs> no. You know, you know, listen, when I when I we've known each other for a long time, the three of us. Yep. And when I heard the stories about you two together playing, I, it always puts a smile on my face. You know, I you get and now you're you've remained friends so long and now you're doing this, so no, it's all good. No, it really is good. And I just want to apologize for you, Steve, uh, and your voice. It does oh, sound awesome, doesn't it? by the way. Thank but, you. Uh, I know that people were thinking, is that really Steve Rabel? Yeah. No, it's Al Martino, the great singer yeah. of songs from back in the 50s. Yeah. Or, you do yeah. sound It sound does good. sound pretty good. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been fighting a cold out there, folks, so um, forgive me uh, for not sounding like me. I'll, I'll have it back to that screechy, scratchy touchdown Seahawks, <laughs> and I hope a lot of times uh, by the time we get to the weekend. But we're not here to talk about today. We're here to talk about yesteryear. Does it seem like, Mike, it's been however many years since you've been on the sidelines here for the Seahawks? Uh it, it it does at times, and at other times I'm, it, it's gone fast. You know, I, I there are some things certainly I miss, and I get asked that question on occasion. Yeah, and uh, the players, the, the staff, the coaches, uh, some announcers, <laughs> uh, but but I miss I miss that, and then, uh, but it was time. It was time for me, and now I'm off doing other things. Yeah. I would say this. Mike could do it because he has a system that he uh, he perfected. I'm sure he adjusted here, here, here and there and maybe even came back to some things. But he could organize a staff and put together a season, uh, I think, with no sweat just because I've been around him mm-hmm. for all those years. And, you know, the, the idea is to build – and I remember starting with the Seahawk uh, staff with Mike at the helm. And even though we uh, ended up not going to the playoffs my first year, I could tell immediately that it was an organized staff. And we were, we were building for some future date to have a really good mm-hmm. football team. And uh, it, was, it was planned. And he planned it. Where did all that come from, Mike? Did, did it come directly from you? Did it come from the people you learned from, most specifically Bill Walsh? Yeah, when I, was, when I came into the league as an assistant coach, uh, five years removed from high school, my high school job, and I went to 49ers. So, <laughs> I mean, go figure. But the, uh, if nothing else, Steve, I think I was a good student of the game. And so Coach Walsh, I was fortunate enough to be around him. And... He was a unique guy. I mean, he he how he did things, how he organized things. Um, 
you know, I was kind of the whipping boy for a while there because he coached quarterbacks, and that was his thing. Mm-hmm. And here I am as quarterback coach, and uh, the story, one quick story at, at in the evening uh, at all that we'd get around in training camp, get around a table, 9 o'clock, it's our 9 o'clock meeting, prepare for the next day and all that. He'd come in, he'd have a little glass of wine there, all the rest of us had cups of water. <laughs> and so we're there, and he go, goes around the room, and he would, in practice, he'd write down, Corrections on cards, and little, you know, and so then he'd come into that meeting that night, and he'd start going, "Okay, Sherm Lewis," and he'd have a card. I want you to do this. Boom, this happened today, and you know, it was a correction. And so we go around the staff, and then he get to me, and he'd he'd whip out a few cards, more than a few, <laughs> and then he put them away, and they go, "Okay, you guys get things ready," and he'd leave. Well, I unbeknownst to me, our special teams coach Fred von Oppen was keeping track of cards. Who got the most cards? <laughs> and he goes, in second place, Norb Hecker has 10 cards. In first place, Mike Holmgren has 242 <laughs> cards. <laughs> so I learned from Bill. But the one thing I want to say is the staff, putting together a staff, allows you to be good. I mean, we had we had a great. I've always had great staffs, and I wanted teachers. I wanted guys who could, you know, it doesn't matter how much I know or Jim knows. He has to be able to tell Matt Hasselbeck. He has to convey that and get Matt to do be his best. And I had guys like that. I had teachers, and I was very lucky that way. I remember the the first one of the first times we talked, and we talked about coaching. And he said, "You said the same thing that hey, I was just a few years removed from high school teaching." And he said, that's what I, you said, that's what I thought I was going to do. I was going to teach history. Instead, you ended up teaching guys how to play football and how to be great pros and teaching your coaches how to teach those guys mm-hmm. how to be great pros. How much difference was there in, in how you go about that and what that expectation was that you're going to get in return? Um, I, I, I don't think it was that different, to be honest. I, I always said, you know, I coached in high school and taught in high school. And when we got when I got to the pro level, I said I, I'm not doing. I thought about this a lot. I'm not preparing them any differently than I did those kids. It's just that they're big, they're they're big little kids instead of high school kids, and so that was the approach. And and uh, and then again, I remember when Jim came in and interviewed for the job and got on the board and started doing stuff, and he's very cerebral, you know. But then I said, okay. But then I knew his background and, and what a good player he was and what a good person he is, and that's the type of coach I wanted on my staff. And so, I, I listen, Matt Hasselbeck became became a really a fine quarterback, and a lot of that has to do with Jim's teaching. And I tried to do the same thing with my staff and my coach and my players. Well, yeah. Mike And Mike let, let me coach. He let me, uh, you know, in fact, he gave me four or five QBs to look at and said, which one of these guys do you like? And it was obvious that Matt was the guy that I liked the best, and I'm sure Mike did as well. And he backed up Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. And we'll ask we'll ask Matt mm-hmm. some of these stories if we ever can get him on. <laughs> but um, Matt came from Green Bay, and he thought he was a little Brett Favre. And I kept saying, you, you have to play with just a little more Discipline. Oh, you're making me feel so confined. I was going, yes, yes. In fact, that confinement, uh, when, you're, when you're in that 
a little more disciplined. You're playing great. So we need you to be more consistent. And, uh, you know, working working for Mike, he really allowed me to do do my job. And I will tell you, there was really only one time that in all the time that I had spent seven years with Mike, really one time he came and took over my drill. And I was so mad at practice because it was the right drill. I mean, I was doing the right thing, but he w- I was taking so long. I could have done a seminar on this thing. And it was, I don't know if he ever remembers it, it was pitching the ball. And I wanted my our quarterbacks to be exact because when a running back uh, tries to receive a pitch or a toss, a lot of times uh, quarterbacks are reaching down and they pitch and they pitch up into their face. Right. Right. Well, I wanted a level pitch. I wanted the ball to come at that front, that front uh, shoulder, but down to where you would hand the ball off to him. And Mike comes in. He takes over my drill. Yeah, but what are you doing? You're taking to well, just turn around, and he he gives the example that he wants. Just turn around and throw the ball, pitch the ball. You know what? He, so when when he left, I was going, do not listen to that. <laughs> you know? Don't listen to that because I'm doing. And then, uh, you know, they started mocking me, my quarterbacks, because they were, you know, I got Matt Hasselbeck, Trent Dilfer, Brock Heward, Seneca Wallace, and they're throwing the ball all over the place now. I think this is the way Mike wants to do it. They, and of course, they, Uh, being the wiseacres they were, very smart guys, very smart guys. So any chance that they got to to nail me or to nail Jim, they they took, you know, but. You know, I just, you know, I just said, you're teaching a toss in my mind. It's taking an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's taking an hour. It's going to be dark. <laughs> you know, no, it's taking too long. And so I knew he got a little mad at me, oh, but that's gosh. okay. But then the time, there was also the time I walked out on the practice field and there are two giant beach balls. I mean, big <laughs> beach balls and quarterbacks are over there. I go, okay, now what's he doing? <laughs> now what is he doing? So he's very innovative in his drills. Yeah. D- didn't you do a slip and slide at one point? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And that guys, was teaching these guys yeah, how to slide. How to, how to get yeah, because Hasselbeck looked like, you know, the, they talk about the, the Goonie Bird. You know, they come, <laughs> he comes in for a landing and crashes. <laughs> crashes yeah. That's Hasselbeck. Yeah. And so Jim goes, I'll fix it. I said, okay. The next time I come out to practice, they've got this elaborate water coming down and sliding and, <laughs> And, and it I still didn't work. <laughs> I kept telling Matt, don't yell out. Don't don't kind of go, oh, you know, he was having the best time of his life. But the the problem that what, that he was having when he was sliding is he would put his arm down and it was jarring his shoulder and he started getting his shoulders sore. You can't put your hand no. down when you slide. So that's why that's one of the reasons we brought out the slip and slide. But those balls were about avoiding the, the rush. And so I had I had. A method to my madness, but it was sometimes it was madness. It reminded me of you ever see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, a giant ball yes, was coming so, down. Yes. Yeah. It remind me of you got the quarterbacks are avoiding these things. If they get hit by that ball, we lose them for the year. They're gone. Yeah. Were you? Did you coach your coaches hard? Would you say? And would the, the assistant coaches say that you coached them hard? I, I at times, yeah. At times, it was different, you know. In Green Bay, which was my first go around, I think I melded a little bit as as I got older. Um, in Green Bay, I was, yeah, I, I was, I wanted a certain thing done, 
And for most of the time, it got done that way. And if every once in a while a coach wanted to do something a little different or something, then I'd probably get on him. It was so I have a million stories about this, but I remember one. You remember Tom Lavat? Sure. You know he was a good line coach, great line coach for us. Well, one day this is how coaches get set in their ways. He had he the we'd stretch, do calisthenics, and then the whistle go, and everyone would run to their spots. Jim would go over here. Tom would take his lineman over there. Okay, he'd had his spot. So they do, and then he'd do his drill. Same drill he'd done for 40 years. Same drill. <laughs> and so then one day, the, Billy Nays or somebody came up to me and goes, Mike, that, that area where they're up there, it's raining, it's muddy, it's, it's, you're going to have to move it. I go, okay. So I tell Tom, I said, move the thing over about 20 yards. You can't go over there, it's muddy. So I, I, uh, we finish. I look over there. He's he's in there. He's in the mud. He's doing the same spot. He's in the same spot. I go over and I say, "What are you doing?" I want you to move. No, this is where we do it. This is where we practice. <laughs> I go, "Oh, really?" <laughs> and I, of course, I got mad at him. You know, say so I made him move, and he's still mad at me about it. It's like Jim being still mad at me about you know the talk. Just things you remember. The yes. Yeah. So, but <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I as the head coach, I loved my coaches. I loved them, but I wanted things done a certain way, and I asked them to adjust to my way of thinking. I know I did that, but, you know, they did. And NFL Films did a thing uh, at the owners' meetings one year, and they gathered all the coaches, Mariucci, Dick Duran, all the guys, Mike Sherman, all the guys that had been with me, and it was like the Mike Holmgren roast <laughs> They brought up all these Andy Reid. They brought up all these times. Remember the time they start talking to each other, and I'm in the room. Remember the time he yelled at you, and they start telling all these stories. I go, hey, I'm in the room. I can hear you. <laughs> so that was kind of funny, but I hope I wasn't too bad on it. Hey, I, I would say that I learned more from Mike in the seven years I was here than I had learned from anybody I had I had been with. And I'd been with, you know, I think I've been with some good coaches, mm-hmm. but Mike. Uh, I, I could see immediately when I came in, he trusted his coaches to get a lot of things done before he walked into the room. And Gil Haskell was, uh, he was the consummate uh, offensive coordinator for Mike because he expected, uh, he expected from us, Gil Haskell did, that we would have these things done because when Mike came in, Mike wanted certain, uh, certain things already done. He wanted to ask certain questions and then get out. And I think it helped us uh, make sure that we didn't, because some, sometimes staffs, they, they over-examine uh, an issue. And uh, Mike would say, well, how many times is he, uh, how many times will we see this? Oh, you'll see it twice. <laughs> We're not doing that, you know, uh, because Mike wasn't, he wasn't going to call it anyway. Right. And um, so we were very, we tried to be efficient with our time so that when he came in, because he was very efficient with his time, and we had to have a lot of things hashed through uh, because, and you'd get those poignant questions. And when I first got there, I wanted to make sure that that I was thinking ahead because I wanted the question answered and, and but then I had to think of okay I know he's going to ask this and that he was complaining one time uh, in our meetings because I had developed this 
pattern that you really it, it's really uncoverable when this, this Tampa two uh, coverage came sure. in with the Mike linebacker going deep middle. Right. It's really a three deep coverage, but everybody calls it Tampa two. And so I had a, a route, but I I named it float. I don't know if you remember this. And the very first thing he looks up on the board, he goes, why do we have to call it float? Because he wanted, he goes, I want to call, when I call a play, I want it to feel like it's fast, you know? So like, I want to call it supersonic. I said, no, it's, it's float. And I don't know why I called it that, but you know, the, the, this one guy was in the middle and it was, he was right there and there was another guy going over the top and uh, it was really a great route. He never called it. I I believe until it was in maybe four games. You got float in again? Didn't you change the name? No, it's float. I wanted him to recognize it. No, and it became a pretty good third down call yeah. uh, for us when we played these Tampa uh-huh. Tampa two. I remember teams. the play. I remember, and it was a good play. It really was a good play, and that's a good example of how I could be a little uh, unbending at times. You which was too bad, but I, I have to tell you one story about Jim. And what I did, I, I, the red zone was my thing. I'd install it where Gil or somebody would install the, the game plan, the pictures and stuff on Wednesday. I like to install the red zone because I tell the player, you're going to score a touchdown here. I'd point to a player and I said, you're going to help him score by doing this, but I'll get you one next time and stuff like that. So, but I always had a thing. For, it was kind of a fun thing that I'd give uh, 100 bucks to any and we'd go into the red zone meeting, and every coach had to bring in their five plays from the or four plays, whatever it was, from the 20, 15, 10, 5. And then we'd go around the room and say, what's your play? I put it on the board. And then I'd knock some out. I'd keep some. And then we'd go into the game that way. And if your play, if Jim Zorn's play got called in the red zone and scored, on Monday I'd give him 100 bucks. Okay, and for coaches, that's the truth. So for I coaches, know you're looking at me. For it's coach, the truth. Coaches, you'd think, well, that's not much, but this was this was like the world to them. Sure. Okay. All right. So we get in a game. Jim's got this great play. We're on the 22, and it was a play from the 20, touchdown. Beautiful. We get Monday, and I'm telling Gary Reynolds, I said, here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to tell Zorn, and I told Jim, we get. He's waiting for the hundred dollars. And I said, hey, uh, I'm sorry. This, the 22 is not the red zone. The red zone starts at the 20. It was a great play, but I can't give you the 100 bucks. So Zorn, being a, the competitor he is, Jim, well, he's up in arms. So I said to Gary Reynolds, I said, here's the commissioner. What do you think? He goes, I think we should vote. The coach is in the room. How many think Jim should get the hundred bucks? Jim raises his hand. How many know? All the other coaches raise their hand. I don't remember if I came and gave you the hundred bucks. Oh, gosh. but that was he was, he was we very had, generous. We had, we had we had fun with that yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and at the same time, I got the best from them in those situations. Yeah, all I had to do was call them. Yeah. When we led the National Football League in red zone uh, plays for touchdowns, also uh, at some point. Uh, third downs were big as well. but it, and, and I would say it's all about execution because you had to execute the play. And the hard part about red zone was you, know, you only had one, one practice at it, basically. Yeah. And there were 16 plays because we had four from the 20, four from the 15, 10, and 5. So uh, every week they were specifically designed for that particular defense, mm-hmm. that particular game. 
basically. Well, it was hard. We've talked about working with your coaches, working with Jim, working with Matthew. Go back one step. Brand new head coach, Green Bay, and at some point this this wild-haired guy comes from Southern Miss, Brett Favre. Yeah. Um, I know you've talked about it a lot. As much has been made about Brett and going into the Hall of Fame and all that stuff, and well-deserved. Um, did that test you at times as a head coach? Uh, absolutely, it did. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, because I had, listen, I had come from Joe Montana, who was the picture of consistency mm. and just accuracy. And, of course, he played in the league a while. So I've got, we got Favre, very talented. Uh, I conducted his, his workout at Southern Miss prior to the draft. Mm. I, I was in the, there were 18 teams there, obviously looking at it. And I remember coming back and writing the report when Ron Wolf said, should we trade for him? And I said, I wasn't sure. You know, I said, and I went back, got my report. I said, he can make, he can throw like no one I've ever seen. But every ball's a rocket. You could do it five feet away and he's going to throw it through you. And then the other thing, he's unpredictable. And I said, in our offense, and Jim knows this better than anybody, that one of the, one of the best things a quarterback can do is let the offense help you. Let the progression help you. And Brett, he didn't play the game that way. He'd throw it underhand. He'd throw it on one knee. He'd, he'd throw it all. He'd throw interceptions. He'd, um, hey, Mike, he'd did, all those things. Did, were, was that your first year there in Green Bay when you got him, or or were, had you been there with another QB? No, that was my first year. Okay, my first year. Ron came up to me and said, "Because we had, I come in and we have two first round picks. I think it was number four and number nine, something mm. like that." And I said, this is good. Now we can pick. That's, right. You're going to get two really good players. And Ron came in and said, bless his heart, he goes, hey, listen, I'm looking at Favre. Because Ron had been with the New York Jets the year before mm. and wanted Favre for the Jets. But Atlanta picked him just before Ron could pick. So he always kind of wanted him. And he, and he goes, think about it. And then so I thought about it. I said, gee, I don't know. I really didn't know. And then he came into the room and he said, look who we have as quarterbacks on this team right now. We had a free agent. We got a sixth, eighth round draft choice. He goes, we need to get somebody. And, uh, and so I, uh, fortunately, I was wise enough to agree with him at some point. But to your question, Steve, yeah, he was a challenge. And, and it, it went on for, uh, we, we, we almost got to the playoffs my first year. We won six in a row and he made some miracle things and the, and then the second year, same thing. And then I remember having the conversation with him. I said, after the season, I said, hey, um, I'd like to, we got to correct some things and do this and that. And he goes, Mike, th- this is how I play the game. This is just how I play. And I said, okay, okay. You want to, do you want to go to the Super Bowl, get there some year? He goes, yeah, that's what we're in it for. I said, okay. We can get to the playoffs. We can be nine and seven. We can be ten and six. But we'll never get there the way you're playing. Now I'm asking you to think about some of these things. And he said, "Okay." And to his credit, the third year he came up and sat next to me on the plane. And you know, my that seat was always open. Probably yeah. it was open for you when you were at Washington. He came up and just sat down. And normally that you're in trouble if you sat down. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "I go. What do you want?" <laughs> and he goes, "I get it." I get it. And then from that point on, 
he was lights out. I mean, he was really, really good. And mm-hmm. that, he was a, a pleasure. I had more fun coaching him than anybody because mm-hmm. he was such a wacko, you know, and he could make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, he was good. And we, even on the Seahawks, when, we, uh, when I had come, we had, there was a Brett Favre rule on one of the patterns. And the Brett Favre rule was you were never allowed to throw this post outside the red zone. It had to be you, the the post came into the into the read, if you will, when you're in the red zone, but not. Uh, it was it was shallow. It was a shallow cross, 72x shallow cross. Do not throw the post. That's the Brett Favre rule because Brett would throw this post anywhere. When he felt like he would throw it, well, we're uh, we're playing. Uh, I forgot who we're playing, but we're playing with Trent Dilfer. He actually, I can. He, I had the same conversation with Matt. Almost, you got to play a little more disciplined if we're going to make it to the championship. And Matt has lost his job to uh, mm. uh, to Trent. So Trent comes and he throws the post. And Mike calls seventy-two x shallow cross. In the mid- midfield, we call it all over the place because it's a it's a great play. He calls it. Trent throws the post, and Mike is going to just rip me for this. Trent throws an interception. He throws, you know, we throw the post, and he throws the interception midfield. And I go, "What are you? You know, I come off the, you know, get on the phone. What are you doing? Don't you know the Brett Favre? He goes, "I threw a dime." I go, "You threw an interception." <laughs> he goes, "No, I threw a dime. It was the best." Throw I could have I could have ever I think I've ever made on that play. I said, Trent, think about what you're. This is right in the middle of the game. Think about what you're saying. You just threw a pick. I was, uh, coach, coach, I threw a dime. It's going oh great, and I'm going to catch hell for it. Uh, you know because that was the rule. You couldn't throw that, but it was from Brett. Yeah, probably right. uh, yeah. irritating you yeah. along the way. No, he threw the ball. Well, the defensive back didn't have much chance to intercept it because he threw the ball so hard. But, you know, because he had to be a great, you know, oh, boy. But he he matured. And, um, you know, he played heck. For, he played for, he, what, 16 years yeah, or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, But I was part. I told Mike Sherman once, who was later the coach of the Packers near, mm-hmm. in Favre's year 10 through, and he goes, he, Mike goes, I had it harder than you did because then he wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay, let me tell you a couple stories. I said, no one had it harder than me in his first five years of playing. You know, yeah. I don't know. You know, Steve, and you and Jim, I must have played with guys that just were, you go, how are they processing? They're, they're, this is really different how they process stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, we we I don't know in our earliest days, uh, which I have you know it's still kind of a fog out there um, um, of those early times, but it seemed like we were pretty much a precision kind of game because yeah. you know that's what Jerry wanted and and because all of us were young guys, we weren't established guys, so you know Sam McCullum and of course Yoda Steve he runs the most precise routes and just finds a way to get open and the rest of us are trying to you know trying to do the same thing he does and we can't do it and then we get pissed excuse me we get mad because <laughs> we can't figure out why we can't do what Yoda does uh, but he was just so skilled that way but uh, it, it, I think it's all about uh, you know what Mike used to preach is I want to go from point A to point B as fast as we can yeah. and then you make your break but it had to be at the right depth 
because the quarterback uh, in in this scheme is it's all about throwing on rhythm, right? Right. It's rhythm and timing, you know. And once you uh, develop this idea of rhythm and the timing of a play, uh, it it actually builds a clock in your brain where you know as as you try to throw on rhythm and it's not there or there's clutter then you can move to, right. to this next guy, the second guy, or the third guy. And you, you try to make the third guy look like you're throwing to the first guy. You know, mm-hmm. like he's, he's, he was the only guy I was ever going to throw to. But that's the precision of it is the route running had to be at the right depth as fast as you could possibly go, whether it was 12 yards, seven, 18 yards, and you had to, you had to do it because uh, it made the play work. Right. It made the play successful. Potentially, I remember. Now we'll move, jump ahead to the your Seahawks times, and now you got Matthew. And I remember you and I. I don't know what the deal was, but you and I were walking out onto the field, the practice field, heading toward the bubble. So it was later in the season, going back to the the enclosed bubble there at Northwest College, where we practiced for so many years. And we're walking, we're talking about stuff, and I, I don't know what I said. I said something about so what's you know how's how's Matthew doing? And you stopped me, and you said, "Here's the conversation I had with him like the other day." He said, Matt came up to me and said, Mike, we, we've got to get Deems, Deems May, your tight yeah. end. We've got to get Deems. He's got to go faster. We've got to get him to this point. We've got to get that ball out of my head. Gotta get, it's got to be faster. And you told me, he said, I stopped Matthew and I said, you're talking about Deems May. He can't run fast. <laughs> yeah. just, just listen to me. I'll, we'll get the ball to the right guy. And sometimes you got to, I guess, as a head coach, you, it's part of it is just kind of talking guys down off the ledge and let them know that, hey, it's okay. We'll get you there. I'll get you what you need. No, I, it absolutely is. And with, with guys like Matt, and Jim can talk to this as well, he's he, very bright. I mean, very, very smart. And at times thought he was the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> we all do. We all have been there. Yeah. And, and to get him to try and, listen, I'm, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you get better, you know, and to the point where we had that flare up on the sidelines that, that one year where he, he, there's a guy open right in front of me that he should have thrown the ball and he didn't on third down. And what oh, did I get mad? And I said, take him out, get him out. Jim's going, what? <laughs> get him out of the game. I'm putting Seneca in. And, and Matt comes over and goes, I, I get on him a little bit and he gets, he shoots back at me, fires back at me. And I go, that's it. Sit down. You're out. And so I'm standing there trying to cool off, and I'm just standing there. And I'm going, and the guys upstairs, all the coaches are going, now, Mike Settle, you've got to get back in the game. We're, don't do this. Got to call the next series. <laughs> yeah. And so he came over to me. He goes, can I talk to you? I said, yes. What do you want? He goes, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I guess, okay, you're back in. Okay? So that was in. But then he told a story to Sarah, and I told a story to Kathy. Mm-hmm. And Kathy, you know, you know Kathy. You sure. know my wife. She goes, "Who's the adult in the room?" She goes, "You're the adult. You're going to apologize to him tomorrow. You're, tomorrow, you're going to go into work and apologize to him." I said, "I, I don't, you know." I, I, I. And so Matt, before I could get him, he came into my office and closed the door, and he goes, "We both said I'm sorry at the same time." And so I said, "Okay, okay." And I, I, we both admitted that we were kind of foolish. And then uh, we both agreed to uh, a 10-minute cooling-off period after each series. Hmm. So he normally he'd come right over to me, and we'd talk. Then he'd go talk to Jim on the phone. I said, you go talk to Jim first. 
10 minutes, whatever happens, good, bad, whatever, then you come up and see me. And that worked. That worked well for us. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting, one of the interesting things of that story is how much, and folks outside of football don't know, but how much of a role the families play, the wives play. Now, mm. we've known Kathy. I've known Kathy for, well, as long as I've known you. So, and Joy, we've known for 45 years, almost yeah. 50 years now. Uh, and now I can tell how Joy got that that saying, you're the adult in the room, because I've heard that. Have you? I've heard More that from Joy telling me, Jim, you're the adult in the room. <laughs> Act like it. Well, you know. it, it, people don't yeah. understand that, you know, you bring yeah. this game home with you in, in many cases, and I don't know how much you'd sit around and kind of beef about it, but ultimately there, there are cooler heads, and oftentimes it's those members of our family that help us kind of, mm. oh, wait a minute, all right, step back. Yeah, no, you're right, and... I think both Jim and I would admit that we outkicked our coverage with our wives. <laughs> well, you know? I'm, my hand is up for those of you that you know are watching. Yeah. And I would say too. that absolutely about you. <laughs> yeah. But no, but I, I, you know what? And then the other thing was too, and I always had a coach, and in, in, in my case, it was Gil because we'd gone back to high, coaching high school together. And Sherm Lewis was in Green Bay, the guy that if I ever got over the top, and and he thought I was going past the past the the limit you have permission to come in and talk to me about that you have you alone can come in and talk to me about it and uh that helped me on occasion uh that gil would do it sherman would close the door go mike you know the thing and i and then i made a promise to him that i wouldn't come back i mean i I would listen and and take it it didn't happen very often but it happened once in a while and i appreciated that Mm -hmm. To your point, Steve, I think uh, to be able to release some of that, the, the stuff that's built in, we're competitors. We, we've been competitors right. our whole life, yeah. and it happens, right, Jim? That's I'm sure. exactly right. You know. no, you're, you're telling the truth. Uh, tell, tell us, you know, we're talking about the quarterback and your conversation with the QB, uh, and the QB was one of the guys you spoke with or during the football game, but as a head coach— you have to do. You have to be involved with right. more positions than just the QB. Uh, were there other uh, players that you remember along the way, uh, especially with the Seahawks, that gave issue to you? Yeah, I. I you know what? I. I yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were. And you know what? It's uh, the defensive guys. I would usually talk to them as a group. So in practice, if I thought it wasn't going, because I hired a good defensive coordinator, they're all working hard, the defensive coaches. I kind of let them, I kind of stayed away mm-hmm. from them, except on occasion where I thought it was not going, they weren't going hard or they were, you know, it was not, it was sloppy. In which case, then I'd, I'd get on the whole group. Offensively, I, I yeah, if a receiver, if I could stop the, because you know, you know That's I did exactly in practice, right. I was away kind of stepping away from, and then you guys were running practice, and I was watching. And then if I didn't like something or you didn't make a correction or a receiver yeah. coach didn't make a correction, I didn't want that thing to slide by, so I'd step in. I remember one time, and you guys remember Chris Gray. Oh, this is a great story. Chris Gray. I still remember. Wonderful. Wonderful yeah. one, one of the Not only a wonderful, but a wonderful person. Yep. And a very, uh, you know, you had Tobek, uh, Hutchinson, you had all those guys in there who were kind of verbal. Walter wasn't, but the other guys were. And then Chris never said anything, nothing. <laughs> and but he was a good Christian man. He was a, he was a, and he gave you everything he had. 
one day we're running a play. He pulls, stops in the hole, and the running back runs right into him, the back of him, and then he kind of trots along. I, and so I snapped. <laughs> and I go, Chris, oh, and I used some bad language with Chris. And I knew, I, you know, I didn't like to do that very often, but I did. And I used some bad language with him, and he just, it stunned him because he, that was language he didn't. And I just walked away, boom, boom, boom. And then Tobek came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I think you really hurt his feelings. <laughs> I go, and he's laughing. You know, Tobek's kind of laughing. Yeah. I said, I don't care, you know, whatever. But I, that's another, next day I had to go up with Chris and say, hey, I'm sorry, man. Listen, I can, I can tell you exactly. He, I didn't hear the cuss words, but I can tell you, and I don't, think you, I don't think you said anything. I can tell you exactly what he said. And this was the best question I've ever heard a coach say. He said, Chris Gray, is that as fast as you can run? <laughs> he said, because, and, and he paused. And Chris was going, because he was going to be wrong whichever way he went. <laughs> right. If that's the fastest you can run, we can't run that play. And if that's not the fastest you can run, why aren't you running faster? <laughs> and, oh, my gosh, that's, that's, yeah. where, that's what Chris Gray had to deal with right there. And Mike was really in his jaw uh, because he said, uh, because he asked him, is that as fast as you can run? And Chris was going to be, well, you know, let me think about that a little bit. <laughs> and then the thing, is, oh, but I, I loved him. He knew it. And uh, I think I told you when, when I took all those guys out for dinner, when Hutch went in the Hall of Fame, I couldn't be at the Hall of Fame. So I took all the linemen Jim, oh, yeah. Jim and Jim. And yeah. Matt, <laughs> Matt was there and Max Strong yeah. and Eric Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys I took to dinner. Yeah, and uh, Chris came in from I, I, where does he live now? He lives in Alabama. I think Alabama, Alabama. Yeah, they all came and they. It turned out to be a, a roasting session started by Tobeck. Oh, oh, he go, yeah. Chris. Remember when Coach Homer yelled at you in there and went, "Oh yeah, tell that story." And the stories <laughs> yeah. just started coming. Yeah, they started coming. It was a great night. Yeah, it is one of the things that that makes this game great is that those kind of relationships last fifteen, twenty. 25 years after we played, same with Z-Man now, like we said, 40-plus years and counting. Um, That's going to do it for this edition, but Coach has uh, graciously agreed. I think gracious is the right word. Thank you. You're you're very welcome. Graciously agreed to stay with us for another session that we will air at a later date. So be sure you keep an eye on uh, Seahawks.com and all the rest of those places that I don't know where you can find this Seahawks stories. And we'll continue our conversation with head coach. And I don't know, I I think I'm at the front of the line along with Jim leading the way for Hall of Fame member Mike Holmgren. But we'll get that done uh, next time. Great having you with us. We'll see you next time.